everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Podcast. Um, I'm Steve, and I'm here with everyone's favorite co-host, Brett. It is Sunday, February 6th, and we are here to do what we always do, uh, recap the week that was and tell you about what to look forward to um, next week. As I just mentioned, it is officially February, um, and the world is turning to the college basketball world um, as we get ready for everybody's uh, favorite month um, coming up in less than 23 days here. Um, so a lot of excitement uh, throughout the country here as um, everyone sharpens their pencils with respect to their bubble resumes and tries to position for as good of a seed in the NCAA tournament as they can. Um, as far as what took place in the Big Ten this week had a lot of movement um, at the top of the conference um, in terms of jockeying for a regular season title and had a lot of movement kind of in the middle with a lot of bubble teams. So we'll talk about both of those things. Um, but Brett, how are you feeling um, in general about where the conference is right now? You know, it, that's that's a really interesting and, and almost loaded question, I think. I mean, we're seeing the the definite like contenders start to separate themselves um as we've got you know uh five teams with three or fewer conference losses uh, and then no one with four and then a bunch of teams with five so we're really seeing the top five the top five teams start separating themselves but with that being said no one has really separated themselves up at the top we're seeing a lot of these crazy physical crazy intense games um and they're they're, they're all awesome like it's really good to see you know, a relative parity in the conference amongst the top two thirds or whatever, where, where pretty much any given team except for Nebraska can put up, a, and even Nebraska like can put up a fight against anyone else in the conference. It does lead to kind of the worry we have every year as we look towards the the, the NCAA tournament of what are these guys going to have left in the tank and how is the different style of officiating going and gameplay going to impact them in the tournament? That's not quite a discussion for right now. We'll we'll definitely get to that as it comes to March. But I mean, we're watching a lot of really, really great basketball and seeing still some surprise teams hanging around the top of the conference. So um, I think, you know, amongst the teams that that have a shot in March, uh, we're seeing a lot of really good stuff right now in terms of in terms of the level of basketball being played. So on on that note, I mean, the two teams that made I think the biggest move this week, um, at least at the top of the conference, were Illinois and Purdue. Um, Purdue really flexed on the road um, against the Gophers in their first match uh, of the week and then kind of survived a, a, a tough, pesky challenge from from Michigan at home at Mackey on Saturday. So they pick up two wins. Um, Illinois picks up two wins as well, um, arguably against a more impressive portfolio, as t- portfolio of teams. Um, Kofi looked like you know, an All-American, potentially Conference Player of the Year um, with his performances this week. Illinois able to take down Wisconsin and what was an entertaining, competitive, high-scoring game, especially for uh, what Wisconsin typically plays um, in the middle of the week. And then what was arguably more impressive in my mind was Illinois' response after that, going on the road, surviving a punch from the Hoosiers um, early on, um, settling kind of the early storm and then dominating that second half. Um, you know, this leads into to talk really well about these two teams matching up um, next week. But I guess what are your takeaways from the performances that we saw this week out of Illinois and Purdue? 
Yeah. So you, you started with Purdue. So I'll start there. Um, obviously going, you know, going on under the road in Minnesota is never really easy. The crowd was with, with them the whole time. Purdue is just, just a better team. And, and they were able to show that, um, I put a bigger stock in the game against Michigan. Um, most, I mean, talent level, but you know, at home. So there's, there's the difference there, but uh, Michigan's just obviously a more talented team. Um, but what I saw in that game was something I really hadn't seen in a while was, was Purdue took a significant number of punches, uh, kind of, especially at the end of the first half, beginning of the second half and had an answer pretty much every time. Um, you know, they, they were able to survive a big game from Hunter Dickinson What he had 28 and, uh, 28. Yeah. So 28 points, uh, on very efficient shooting and made a couple threes back to back, uh, in one of those mini runs in the first half. But Purdue really in, in games where I, you know, I've seen them kind of buckle under some of this pressure and give up really big leads. You know, their, their biggest lead was only 12. They won by six. Uh, there wasn't like another blown 20 point lead. Um, and so I seeing them being able to kind of take, take a punch and, and really kind of keep their offense rolling and, um, just be able to really kind of bounce back with runs of their own was, was really impressive. Um, and then with with Illinois, um, it, it was really interesting. Um, I thought that Wisconsin's game plan is basically to let Kofi get whatever he wanted, and um, and he, he did. He was I think 16 of 19 for the field for, for 36 points, um, and and um, kind of try and limit Illinois' success from three point. And they were able, they're pretty successful at doing that, um, I believe. So yeah, Illinois shot uh, 31% from three on 22 attempts. Um, but the Badgers didn't generate enough turnovers, and that's part of their game plan. They just don't, and it's much harder to do when Kofi's just so much bigger and better on the block than a lot of Wisconsin's post defenders. But, you know, this this was a six-point game with six minutes left, despite Wisconsin shooting three for 24 from three. So it's not like, I mean, the Badgers obviously shot terribly, but I think that given the personnel there, the defensive strategy was pretty pretty sound, given that three is obviously worth more than two and they made, they made Illinois work for their, for their threes, but Illinois did a really, really good job of not turning the ball over and just letting Kofi do his thing. And when that leads to 37 points, uh, there's not much more anybody else really needs to do. Um, but I think, like you said, you know, going on the road to Bloomington, uh, is, is incredibly impressive. Um, we've, uh, we've obviously talked about how Indiana has, has had some really, really solid, uh, home wins. And in the second half, Illinois just, blew them out. I mean, it was, it was, I believe it was tied at halftime. Indiana led by eight at one point in the first half. And again, but again, this is where you start seeing that even with Kofi kind of sitting for a bit uh, in the, in the first half, um, the guards were able to pick up the slack. Um, you had Frazier with 23 and Plummer with 14. And when Illinois is hitting over 40% from three and, you know, keeping the turnovers down, it's hard to beat them, especially when Trace Jackson Davis suffered early foul trouble. Um, I was impressed, at least in the first half for Indiana, with the play of Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson, especially on the defensive end. But at a certain point, Illinois is just more talented than Indiana, and that bore that bore out. So I think a line of conversation that's going to continue to come up, specifically with Purdue and Illinois, is kind of the the history of these teams falling short in March, and you know, c- can you really trust them? You know, if you're someone that's filling out a bracket. You know, or, or even a fan as far as the the dependency of like their style of play and whether it translates to March success. Um, the the thing about so per, Purdue strikes me as a team that looks the part. 
um, as far as one that you can bank on to kind of for sure be a second weekend team, you know, and a, a team that you'd consider to write in on your final four line, depending on the the matchups. We've, we've talked about some of the issues they've had closing out games, um, you know, and they've suffered some weird breaks like that Rutgers game in particular. But w- when you watch Purdue execute their offense, I mean, in the flow of the game, um, when when you're just looking kind of middle of halves, um, I don't I don't think there's any there are many teams that can stop Purdue. Um, we, we've talked about the issues that they have with like perimeter defense and that that's true. And they've struggled closing out games, although Eric Hunter Jr. has been I think played a lot better over the last month or so, you know, at the point guard and kind of helped with that. Uh, Purdue, for the most part, looks looks the part with me, looks the part for me. But the, the big fear with them is is what happens in a, in a clutch moment. You know, will they be able to respond? With Illinois, like on paper, they should. You really would think they have everything that it takes to win in March. Like right, they're a veteran team. They shoot the three well. Um, they have a, a superstar. You know, they've, they've got kind of all the ingredients. But there have been times that this year when, whether it's the turnovers, whether it's like you know not showing up, not bringing the intensity on defense, there have been times this year when you you're just like, oh, this is the Illinois of old that you know will find ways to lose games kind of unexpectedly. I was really expecting Illinois to to have a letdown um, on Saturday in Bloomington just given all that Indiana had to play for, how well they play at home and how big of a win it was on Wednesday. I, I, I feel like if you're an Illinois fan, you, you, you should be really, really happy that, you know, they look like a serious contender in, in getting that road when they got. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the, so you, you talked about turnovers and it, it, on their current four game winning streak, uh, the highest turnover, turnover causing team that they've faced defensively is Northwestern. And that was the closest game they or I guess Michigan State was a one point game, but they, it was a three point game. Um, but because the, the turnovers have, have notably improved for Illinois, but it's also interesting to see that they're playing, they're doing, they're doing it against teams that don't cause a lot of turnovers. And it obviously it's not turning the ball over against those sorts of teams is, is, a, is a good thing, but I'm intrigued to see what happens when they start playing some more aggressive defenses. Um, given that the the issues they had earlier and now that Curbelo is factoring back in to some level, um, interested to see how he reacts. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. Purdue does look more the part. Um, but the, the two teams are, are pretty similar offensively in that they both like take and make a high number of threes when they're clicking. And it, Purdue looks to get in transition a little bit more, given that they have a guy like Jaden Ivy, who just has the athleticism to do it. But I mean, this Illinois team, especially after kind of a couple of really early hiccups in the season, like looks, looks the part of a, definitely a second weekend team to me so far, obviously depending on matchup, but, um, and I think Purdue will be more matchup proof, so to speak when you're evaluating your bracket. But, um, I think, I think both of these teams have shown that they have a lot of potential this week. One other kind of trend that I wanted to bring up just within the context of, of really the top five. So, you're starting to see that the the teams that are really good are are finding ways to win um, on nights when they don't have their best. Um, not just among the top five, but among kind of the the bubble teams too. And and so with Wisconsin in particular, they did not have their best uh, against Penn State 
last night um, at home. We know Penn State gives teams troubles regardless, but that that you 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 wondered about Wisconsin, you know, and the disappointment kind of coming out of that Illinois game. Um, they kind of survived the punch from Penn State and found a way to win. Um, Ohio State, you know, it, they looked pretty good against Maryland. You wondered a little bit about how rusty they'd be just given that they were kind of going on a week-long break with the Iowa game postponed. But they, they not so much an issue there, but kind of similar to Wisconsin, Michigan State, you know, two road games this week at Maryland at Rutgers. Um, Michigan State definitely did not look their best. They, they lost the Rutgers game and, and found a way to eke out that game against Maryland earlier in the week. Any takeaways from just the, the top teams in general, like fending off tough tests um, from teams when you know they don't have their best? Yeah. I, so, I mean, Wisconsin is 11-1 and one in games decided by six points or fewer this year, the lone exception being, I believe, the Providence game that Johnny Davis didn't play. Um, it This is getting a little worrisome as someone that is is a Wisconsin fan. Um, I mean, the score at the, at the halftime of the Penn State game was 18-13, to 13, and it was – the 13 points was more understandable than the 18 because Wisconsin was actually playing very solid defense and forcing Penn State into a lot of tough shots, and but they're just missing open – open and good shots, especially kind of at the rim a lot of the time. And, you know, Johnny Davis obviously has had a really rough couple weeks uh, being really inefficient from the field. He's obviously been able to help his team in other ways. He's, I think he has, is averaging over 10 rebounds a game over his last four um, and being able to make plays is, is big, but you know, this is, this is the, this is the point of the season where everyone starts getting tired. Like we're in the middle of a grind of a conference schedule um, and Jumpers not falling is going to happen, but it's never ideal. But that that being said, you know, you, you've got guys like Chucky Hepburn and, and Stephen Crowell really, really coming to the forefront and, and providing the lift that this team need that team Wisconsin needs specifically. Um, so that's it's obviously great to see uh, from from that perspective that, um, you know, where there's there's uh, there's other people will able to step up now. Michigan State, um, you know, they, they followed up the the big win against against Michigan by going on the road and and pretty and honestly after leading for double digits most of the time really having an issue getting rid of Maryland and putting them away it's like like we had said Maryland does cause a lot of problems for teams um you had Ayala Russell and Scott all in double figures and uh you know Michigan Michigan State turned the ball over a lot and I think it was just one of those it it wasn't wor- as worrying because it looked to be more of an aberration at the time but then they follow that up by just getting the doors blown off them in the second half against Rutgers. And we've we've spoken about how Rutgers is a totally different team at home. And this, you know, I we, we'll, we'll, I think we'll talk about this in a sec because, uh, you know, Rutgers needed this really badly to kind of keep keep tournament hopes alive and, and for jockeying and in conference standings. But it, it, Michigan, you know, Michigan State just kind of their role, their role player they got a lot of role players on that team and when none of their shots are really falling it's going to be tough sledding for them um it looked like they were having a lot of issues getting out in transition and kind of sustaining that and that's where they make a lot of their their hay on offense and um so they have to kind of figure out other ways to to manufacture points when that's not working yeah i mean rutgers got a pretty balanced performance from kind of their big rotation players which i think is part of what their problem's been when they've I struggled um, against some weaker teams that 
like their their team they don't really have they're not an explosive offense they need to be they need to execute efficiently they need everyone to kind of contribute they had six guys in double figures including a a 12 assist performance from Mulcahy so they were clearly moving the ball around well too um but I I agree I think it kind of speaks to just the this the general unpredictability of this Rutgers team um and I think this is a good kind of transition to talk about just the general state of the Big Ten bubble. Um, we're, you know, we, we gave you our kind of rundown of how we think the top part of the conference is doing, but there were some significant movements on the the bubble this week. Um, that Rutgers, uh, that Rutgers win that they got against Michigan State kind of comes on the heels of another wacky game that Northwestern was involved in. Um, but, you know, Rutgers was down, I think it was 24 or 28. It was 24. And then came back, uh, forced overtime, um, a lot of missed free throws, a lot of um, questionable um, shot making and clutch time. But Northwestern kind of eked out a, a win that looks like it may have potentially revived their season there. Um, so you've got kind of Rutgers – you know, looked like they'd suffered probably the worst loss of their season. They come back and get the biggest win of their season. You've got Northwestern with a, a two-win week this week, following up their uh, performance against the Scarlet Knights with a with just blowing the brains off of the Cornhuskers in uh, in Lincoln. Um, and by the way, yours truly predicted the the Cornhuskers to win that game on the show about a week ago. So I'll take full responsibility for that so you know northwestern's trying to play themselves back into contention and then in what was probably the least surprising yet still surprising um outcome of this week is iowa was not able to survive going into a sleepy bryce jordan center um in a game that went double overtime um penn state took them down on monday um i, I mean i think when you look at the bubble holistically right now you Indiana's probably going to get in, but you've got you've got Iowa, you've got Rutgers, you've got Michigan, you've got Northwestern, maybe like still TBD on Penn State. But like, I mean, where would you rank kind of the the bubble teams in terms of like whether they're going to get in or not? Yeah, so that's 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 a really good question. Um, I just to I guess to note your point about Indiana, they're they're listed as a pretty comfortable seven ish seed across the board. So I think I think unless something crazy happens, we should be. Good to assume that the Hoosiers get in. You know, Iowa is still one of those weird cases where I, I, the numbers still really like them uh, from a from an analytics perspective, and they, I mean, they have two mediocre losses in in the the Rutgers and the Penn State losses, but besides that, they've pretty much kept their their nose clean, so to speak, when it term, when it comes to avoiding really bad losses. Now, obviously, the schedule really picks up for them. Uh, kind of down the stretch here, although they actually still have a pretty relatively easy, but they, they still have to play Michigan twice. They have Michigan State. They have Illinois. Um, and, you know, now that Connor McCaffrey's hurt, um, Keegan Murray's really going to need to kind of step up. But I think Iowa is is a relatively still safe, I think. Um, and then it, then it really starts getting interesting because, like, you know, Rutgers is still really going to be feeling the after effects of that, those three horrible back-to-back-to-back losses from, you know, I think November, early December, uh, the the UMass, Lafayette, and DePaul. 
and I bracket matrix doesn't even have them listed right now. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm bullish on their chances personally, um, unless they can really start stringing wins together. Um, Michigan would be my next most likely, I think to act to make the tournament after Iowa. Um, they, they don't really have any impressive non-conference wins. Um, but I believe, and I the loss to Minnesota doesn't look as bad as it did, uh, kind of, at the time. So I I think they have the, the big thing with Michigan is they have opportunity in the next few weeks. They have a lot of opportunity to really make up some ground. Uh, you know, they, they can't lose this game to Penn state coming up. Um, but then they, they have Purdue and Ohio state back to back. So if you can get at least one of those wins, that's, that's a really good sign. Um, but you know, with, with nine losses already, I think there's really not much margin for error there. Yeah, and I think you could probably say the same thing about Rutgers, too, just as far as their opportunities. Um, I know you mentioned that with Iowa, but like Rutgers, they, they still host Ohio State. They still host Illinois. They host Wisconsin. Like, and we just we, we've talked about how hard it is to win there. You know, Purdue and Michigan State couldn't do it. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to improve their resume despite the bad losses. I think Michigan, um, yeah, there's, there's some not great losses on there. They do have that win against San Diego State, which may come up. Um, good for them just as far as jockeying on the bubble. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the tough thing with Michigan is remember they had those two COVID games canceled, I'm sorry, postponed. So they have to play, um, they have to play 10 games left in the schedule, whereas most teams have eight left. And so they're going to have a couple of three kind of game weeks coming up here, including next week, but no shortage of opportunity there. Really, though, I mean, when it comes to Northwestern and even Penn State, though, like, do you, do you think Northwestern has a chance to play themselves in if they can kind of keep this momentum up? Um, So Northwestern still has – they host Indiana. They have Illinois, Purdue. I mean, if if they can – if they can – I mean, they're at four and eight in conference. They've got ten losses already. No really bad losses. The Maryland one doesn't look great, and – uh you know, they, they, they are definitely going to be kicking themselves for some missed opportunities, uh, against Penn state and, uh, you know, um, Michigan state, uh, when they were at home. Um, but I mean, it's not inconceivable. I think that the, the bubble is, is very, very interesting right now. Um, and you've got kind of teams on there like Florida and Notre Dame and Florida state, all of whom have really not been playing that well. Um, so it's it's it is possible. I, I I don't you know I see a world in where in which it happens, but they got to really start winning a lot of games really fast. I mean, if they go if they go five and three in these last date, um, you know, and, and you could even drop the Purdue and Illinois games, but let's say I mean let's say they beat Indiana, they sweep Minnesota, they beat Nebraska, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's 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 maybe some opportunity, but I guess at, at 16 and 13, I mean, you you probably need to win two games in the tournament to give legitimate consideration. But I, I don't know. Like, the bubble's really soft this year. I don't know that no, that's it is. That out of the realm of possibility. No, I mean, it is. But if, if it's 16 and 13, you also need to be named Syracuse, I think, is the rule um, to get into the tournament. That's, that's how I think it works. Um, but no, I mean, you know, 16 and 13, you get, you get what? a win over a, like the nine seed or whatever in the first round and then, and then get a win over one of the top four. I've seen weirder things happen. Like definitely I'm, 
you know, I the 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 bubble, yeah, it's and I you know things will obviously start taking shape a little bit more. Um, and it's going to depend on a lot of these other conferences and how many some of these how many bids some of these mid major teams or mid major conferences get. But I, I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, especially if they take one of the Illinois or Purdue games. For sure. Um, and Northwestern has an incredibly important week coming up this week. Um, and I think we'll use that to transition into our preview for the week ahead. Um, so we get things kicked off with a uh, jam-packed Tuesday. Four games on, on the weeknight here. Um, we've got Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Illinois, Purdue, both contenders for game of the week, as well as a, another sleepy uh, Bryce Jordan Center game where Michigan goes to Penn State. And you've got Indiana at Northwestern, too. So all pivotal games. Brett, um, I know a lot to talk about there, but what are you looking for on Tuesday? Yeah, so Wisconsin-Michigan State, obviously a rematch where the, the Spartans won by 12 in Madison uh, when Michigan, or when Wisconsin was missing Tyler Wall, who is gonna who factors to be a really big part of this game plan, as uh, I'm sure the Badgers are going to try and exploit Joey Hauser on the post. Um, honestly, in that in that game, Michigan State just answered the bell um, really, really well every time Wisconsin was threatening, um, and they were similarly coming off a really bad loss. So not super ideal for a Wisconsin team that can't really find its shot uh, heading into the Breslin Center. Um, I, you know, I I think there's there's a way that Wisconsin wins this game, but unless things really improve from the field in a hurry, even even with Wall helping on the boards. Uh, it's it's going to be tough for them to slow Michigan State down. So I I, I do think Michigan State is re- just realistically going to win that game um, and and kind of stake their claim again towards first place. Um, Illinois Purdue might on this Illinois Purdue game might be the game of the year um, in in the conference. I mean, we had such it was such an awesome one the first time around uh, in Champaign. Hopefully, uh, just from a from a neutral fans perspective, uh, hopefully we get we avoid some of the foul trouble that plagued. Um, you know, Kofi and, and Edie and, and kind of everyone that was a, it was a really weirdly officiated game. And, you know, it, it's going to start with, it's going to start with the battle of the bigs. Um, how, how is Purdue able to contain Kofi, um, with both Edie and Travion? Um, and, but, you know, Edie last time out had, had 20 points on nine of 14 shooting, um, as, as Kofi was kind of had, had some, some foul trouble. Um, but, you know, Purdue shot 44% from three. So that's going to be another big thing. Are they going to be able to keep Stefanovic going and break down Illinois defense enough, which is where Trent Frazier is going to be huge as uh, they really try and stop the penetration set up uh, by Purdue's guards. So I'm, I'm, I'm just looking for, I mean, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm very glad that it's after the Wisconsin game. Uh, so Tuesday, it's going to be going to be awesome. And then you have a really important game for Michigan uh, as they, as they head down. And I'm interested to see, Dickinson on on John Hare. Uh, Hare is just he doesn't look like he should be very good at basketball, but he's always in the right place. He's got a huge nose for the ball, and he's it, he's really hard to keep off the boards. Um, Penn State obviously really rough shooting game against Wisconsin uh, to start. Um, so obviously you'll want to see if the the guards can bounce back. Um, Sam Sessoms keeps playing really really well, so I'm I'm I think he's going to be someone that Michigan's going to want to watch, especially coming off of the bench. Um, and on Michigan's side, um, you just want to keep, you want to see the defense kind of keep, keep improving and you want to see better shooting. I mean, the, the shooting against, against, against Purdue was, was good. Um, and obviously Purdue does not present the same, Penn State does not present the same defensive challenge. So if Michigan, if Michigan can keep shooting well, I, I like them to win this game, even, even on the road. Um, 
And then we, we already kind of talked about IU Northwestern, but uh, keep Pete Nance, Trace Jackson Davis should be a fun one. Um, I do think Indiana has been playing mo- really well besides that second half against Illinois. So I think they're going to be able to come out with the win there. On to Wednesday, uh, we get a little bit of a reprieve uh, from just crazy excitement, but we do have Ohio State Rutgers, which should be very interesting. And then Nebraska probably gets one of their better shots to win a uh, conference game against a not very deep Minnesota team. Yeah, and, and we just kind of talked about this with Rutgers too, but I think um, you know any good road team needs to be on high alert uh, going in into the Jersey Mike's Arena there. Um, so Rutgers clearly coming off their biggest win of the season. Will they bring the same energy? I think that's the storyline there. Um, Ohio State, we've talked about t- them tending to play up or down the competition. Um, I worry about them um, going in here and kind of getting blitzed a little bit, um, especially just because I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how the the matchups work. But like Harper may be able to kind of slow down Liddell. Um, and if he can do that, you kind of, you know, cut the head off the snake for Ohio State. Not not many people have been able to do that. But, you know, I, I wonder if, if that, along with just Rutgers' general defensive prowess, gives Ohio State problems just like every other team that's gone in there. Um, so I, I think you'll have another close game and another opportunity for Rutgers to pull off the upset. With Nebraska and Minnesota, I'm going to advise our, our fan base to um, save some time out of your day, maybe get a workout in, um, go to sleep early. Um, have some drinks with friends, but do not watch this game. Um, on to <laughs> Thursday, we have uh, a COVID rescheduled game in Purdue going to Michigan. That's the second time in five days those two will have met up. Um, and then we have Iowa uh, heading to Maryland. Um, what are you seeing in those two games? Um, so, yeah, I mean, Purdue-Michigan obviously like ended up being a really, really fun game for the most part uh, last week. Um, so I think you know, getting with Michigan, getting the home court advantage this time, I'm, I'm sure the Chrysler Chrysler center is going to be rocking. Um, and so, you know, you, you're first and foremost, you're going to look again, another battle of the bigs. I think Dickinson really, really played a, a complete game on, on Saturday and he'll look to, to replicate that. And it's just going to be, is Michigan going to have, have the ability to defensively stop uh, Purdue's guards. So going to look to see how that goes. I'm, you know, Michigan's going to be motivated to kind of bounce back from that, from that loss. Um, so I think, I think we'll get another good game there. Iowa, Maryland, it's again, another game that Iowa can't lose. Um, I know that that kind of bears repeating for most of their games going forward, honestly, but uh, picking up a road win at Maryland would be, would be a good one. Um, I think again, Iowa's just total lack of interest in playing defense could come back to hurt them, especially if Russell's able to get Maryland out on, on the break. Um, I was just, you know, they're, they're not really, and you know, for how fast they play um, this, that could be an issue for them. So I think it's going to be going to be interesting stylistic battle. And it's really going to come down to like, is Iowa going to start making shots? They're, they're having, they're really not shooting the ball that well recently. Um, They're actually surprisingly last in conference play in three point percentage, which for a team that shoots that many threes is really, really not ideal. Um. And then Saturday, we've got another another fun slate. We've got Rutgers going to Wisconsin. We've got Indiana and Michigan State. We've got Ohio State, Michigan, and then Penn State, Minnesota. Yeah, I, I may have to dub this like day like Bubble Saturday because this is this is really the opportunity for the bubble teams to kind of um, get a notch in their in their belt. 
um, with some of the opportunities they have here. Um, so first off, Rutgers at Wisconsin. So we we talked about kind of Rutgers having a big opportunity at home against Ohio State early in the week. Um, you know, depending on whether they win or or lose this game, you know, this Wisconsin game, you know, becomes ever more important. Um, it's a game that they can compete in, just given their defensive intensity, the pace that they play with, um, and the fact that they have bodies that they can throw at Wisconsin's size. Um, I'm really looking at at Johnny Davis. You know, I know we've talked about how he's um, he's he's been figuring out how to contribute in other ways when his offense isn't there first and foremost. Um, I I look for him to really kind of have an opportunity to have a high high percentage high efficiency game against this Rutgers team. I I know they're tough on defense, but you know I don't know that they have anyone athletically that. Um, can hang with him and he he really is due for a breakout game it'll be tough for him to get it earlier in the week at any slancing but I, i'm really circling this one as as him where he kind of um breaks out here and has a has a big scoring performance um indiana at michigan state so indiana with two road games this week um and and you know you hope they get the northwestern game but northwestern's hot and indiana's coming off one of their you know not not one of their not greatest performances of the year um, Michigan State's going to need this game if they're um, if they're serious about title contention, along with their game against Wisconsin earlier in this week. So you're going to want to make sure that they don't have a letdown there. Um, but with Indiana, it's really been about just the dramatically different um, splits that they have on the road um, versus at home. Which Indiana team are you going to get? Um, I I think this is closer than, than what most people think, um, and so. You know, I I I like a close game that comes down to the stretch. Really, the biggest key is Trace Jackson Davis. He's been in foul trouble a lot. Uh, he needs to stay out of foul trouble if if he wants to give these guys a chance. Um, and then Ohio State and Michigan. So Michigan coming off of it to be their third game um, in I think five days um, in this little mini tough stretch that they have here. Um, but again. The theme that we keep talking about, Ohio State come playing up and down to competition, Michigan coming off, you know, tough games early in the week. Um, I like this as a close game coming down to the wire. It's fortunate for Michigan that this is at home because it, it probably keeps them in it um, on tired legs. Uh, but, you know, this may come down to who who of the stars is better. Is it Liddell or Dickinson? I think um, Ohio State's got pretty good shooting on the perimeter, you know, and Michigan uh, made actually a pretty good effort to kind of defend the three-point line against Purdue. They'll need to do something similar against Ohio State, but um, they're going to have to ride Dickinson um, to both contribute on offense and on defense to slow down Ohio State. And then Penn State, Minnesota. I mean, uh, Minnesota's got an opportunity, I think, this week to pick up two wins. Um, and I know, you know, they're kind of on the outside as far as tournament contention, but um I'm really looking at them um, and and kind of finding an opportunity to to kind of any momentum that they have and the tired legs that they must have, just given the lack of bodies on their roster. Um, it, it would be a really, really good win for them to get this one at home against Penn State with, on the heels of what's hopefully a win against Nebraska. But on the flip side, I mean, Penn State's got a great opportunity this week, too, um, with the chance to beat Michigan at home and then take this one against Minnesota. They we could be talking about them as 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 this next week's Northwestern having played themselves back into tourney contention if they can get two wins this week. Um, and then finally on Sunday, 
uh, three games, Maryland, Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois, and Nebraska, Iowa, more of a, a bubble day as well. Yeah. So uh, I think with the first two games, we're, we're, you know, with Maryland, Purdue and Northwestern, Illinois, um, we're looking for, uh, you know, a lack of a letdown for whoever ends up winning that game. And then because Purdue, this will be thir- Purdue's third game of the week um, and they'll have another another intense atmosphere at uh, at Michigan. Um, so I think I think this one will be kind of about survival more than anything. Um, you know, I, they're, they're not they're not on the Purdue's not on the bubble. The loss to Maryland wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But if you want to really be a contender, you'll have to you'll have to uh, make sure that you win that game uh, if you want to contend for the title. Um, I, I'll look to just, again, make sure that they kind of slow Maryland down when they're trying to get out and run and limit Fats Russell's effectiveness at getting into the paint. Um, I'm not quite sure how they'll do it. I don't think Jaden Ivey will be guarding him. Um, but if you can kind of stop him, the Wahab shouldn't be an issue as long as they have Travion and, and Edie there. Um, so if you can kind of stop Maryland from breaking breaking down the defense and getting into the paint to distribute, um, should be all right on the offensive end to win that game. Northwestern Illinois, another, you know, that first game was super weird. Kofi wasn't very effective. Um you know, very low scoring, low possession game. Um, so I think again, Illinois will will want to if if they beat Purdue, if they lose to Purdue, uh, just will want to avoid kind of sleepwalking through this one because Northwest, as we've talked about, Northwestern has a habit of letting of kind of hanging around and can definitely can definitely compete with this Illinois team. Um, so that one that one's gonna be gonna be interesting. Um, Nebraska Iowa again, like if Iowa loses this game, it they're they're screwed. So uh, don't lose to Nebraska and. On that note, I'm not sure why they haven't fired Fred Hoiberg yet. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're out of time to be able to breach that topic. But we thank everyone for joining us um, on what was a, a longer episode than normal. Um, but we're excited that we have a lot of Big Ten storylines to uh, talk through. Uh, we'll be with you guys next week um, as usual. Um, and thanks again for tuning in.